0: all one word, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. Isn't it time to tell your story? I'm Bill Mitchell, and this is When Dating Hurts a podcast dedicated to my daughter, Kristen, and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and survivors themselves. In part one of this two-part story, Ashley has moved from Chicago to Arizona. She's got a new job, and a new car. She thinks maybe a boyfriend is all that's missing. And that's where Mark comes in. Mark has a few flaws that Ashley is willing to help him with. Somehow, she feels he is worth it. Ashley puts up with Mark and the trouble he brings with him. Here's our conversation. We welcome Ashley today to the When Dating Hurts podcast. You have a relationship you want to talk about that was toxic and abusive. Thank you for reaching out.
1: Well, thank you so much, Bill. I really appreciate you and all you do, and you're just extraordinary, and this is a great thing. It's very important.
0: Oh, That's very nice. Thank you. I do appreciate that.
1: I guess I'll just start post-college, yes.
0: You go to college. What kind of a degree did you have?
1: Uh, mass communication and media, so radio television was Audio production was my specialization, oh. although I never quite shined there, but I, I did like that field generally of media. Sure. So I graduated college in 2009. So this was in a Southern Illinois. And then I'm from Chicago, southwest side of Chicago, moved back home after college in 2009, wasn't finding work. So... I decided to move out to Arizona where my cousin lived. And she was gracious enough to host me temporarily till I got on my feet. She was moving as well. So I kind of had a an expiration date of the residency with her. <laughs> and uh while I was there, I I got a job, I worked all that out. I actually did end up getting an apartment lease. I had a little overlap where I needed to be out of my cousins, but I wasn't quite ready to be into the new place. Mm-hmm. During this time, my brother had a friend in Arizona that lived really close to my cousin. She and I met up. We got along great. She welcomed me to stay with her and her boyfriend for that month or so that I needed. So I did that. Turned out he was a psycho.
0: Oh.
1: I ended up, instead of going to the lease, I originally was going to go to with the apartment. Canceled that. And my insurance guy, actually his dad own an apartment in South Scottsdale. So I pretty much said, we're going, get your stuff, get the dog. We're moving together to this apartment. We're leaving this guy.
0: How did he qualify as a psycho in your mind? Um, Did she think he was a psycho too, by the way?
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, He was addicted to opioids, gun guy, um, just very controlling. I kind of caught the tail end, but I even felt uncomfortable some days just You could just, There's something very off about him. And she's just this very beautiful soul. And I mean, she's come so far since. She's got a beautiful son and she's married, but this guy was not the guy. And she was in a bad situation there. And I don't know if she was going to get out or what she was going to do, but I made sure it happened.
0: (laughs) Do you think that she was in kind of an abusive relationship?
1: Absolutely. Actually, one night she was hanging out with some of her work friends and because he was kind of acting a little crazy in text and stuff she decided to stay with them so here I am in this house with this guy knowing he has like a gun not knowing oh. I I locked the bedroom door where I was I made it through but yeah it was just a very uneasy feeling it was just like a darkness to him so I'm glad that we got out of that.
0: So, you and she
1: and her dog
0: <laughs> and her dog, excuse me, and her dog packed up and moved to a safer environment.
1: Yes. So, we, and, and it was a great little apartment too. I mean, we had the best time together. She's like a sister still. This was 2010. So, I met the relationship that I'm going to get into. That was 2012. So, November of 2012, I'd gotten a full time job with a radio station. I, Got my own car. I was working still I was working at a golf course prior to this, and I kept that part time on the weekends, just really living my best life in Arizona. It was one day after work at the radio station that I randomly met up with my roommate at one of the breweries we'd go to. Her friend was there along with his friend, who is Mark, the my my ex. And I thought he was attractive and eventually afterwards was, go tell your friend to give him my number. Then from there, what
0: made him attractive? I mean, just physically or stylistically,
1: physically attractive. I was never like the blonde hair, blue eye kind of type. That was not my type, but there was something he that was his look found it attractive. He kind of had like a a Leonardo DiCaprio kind of look to him.
0: So you're there. And
1: yeah, we really didn't engage too much in conversation. I was it was more just like a physical attraction. And I think at that point, I was thinking, all right, I've got like, I've been making it out here so far on my own. I've got this car. I've got the apartment. Maybe a relationship is the next step of something I need. So the first time we hung out, I was just going to his house. And I, I'm, I'm a bourbon girl. I brought over some whiskey and I think I did seven sevens. It's just, I'll never forget this because he didn't live too far from us, maybe a mile, a mile and a half. And when I got to his place and I parked, as soon as I put my car in park, there was just something that was just like, like run, you know, like I had some weird gut feeling that was just like, get the F out of here. And I was just like, oh, stop, we're going to have seven sevens. It's going to be fine.
0: It's going to be just the two of you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just the two of us. And he had two little dogs that that I grew to adore. But yeah, so that night, we just kind of hung out. It was just pretty low key and enjoyed each other's company, got to know each other a little bit. He had previously been married to a very wealthy kind of heiress of of like a grocery store chain or something like that. She. So kind of an interesting life.
0: Did he talk about her at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot. I think because first of all, I they met in rehab in Sedona, oh. so uh, so. But he did describe her as just kind of like a hot mess. But it was more. He was more. He would talk more about what it was like to kind of be rich. Being able to be on like private planes and just have all this money, and just kinda how of, they like, tore through this money
0: for a while in a kind of uh riding on her coattails way, he knew what it was like to be rich. He wasn't rich, right?
1: yeah, he grew up farm boy midwest and just happened to move with his like high school girlfriend to arizona after after high school. I'm pretty sure his trade was he was a body technician, worked on cars. Uh, He was pretty talented at it as well. But yeah, so that was just like the first time we hung out, pretty uneventful. And then we went on an actual date to a pizza place. It was still, it was nice. I mean, he had a lot of good stories, a lot of interesting travels and and things he had done.
0: Was he doing drugs at that time?
1: He was addicted to morphine.
0: Morphine?
1: Like morphine pills, which I, I... I did not realize this until a little further down the road. Nor even the the drinking because he drank very excessively.
0: So you didn't know, huh?
1: So I didn't know. Yeah, that just just you buckle in, Bill, because this is a saga.
0: <laughs> I'm ready.
1: So yeah, I mean, at, at the beginning it was a little bit more uneventful, um, and then so this was just November to December ish, just kind of going on dates, getting to know each other, and then around well before Christmas we hung out with my cousin. Me and her are very close. We're definitely very close at that time, especially. I'm very close to all my family. I don't know. I have a tight knit family. Mm-hmm. And I was excited we were going to go hang out with her one night. And he, he said something, he made a comment of like, Oh, are you like punishing me? Like, I'm going to make you hang out with my family. I was like, A punishment? Like, I my family's awesome. What are you talking about? A punishment?
0: Putting down your friends and family members, which. It's the early stages of isolation.
1: Very subtle at first.
0: Hoping you'll say, eh, well, I guess you know, maybe I'll keep them away from him a little bit. Yeah. And then he wants you to stay away from him too.
1: Which eventually he was successful in. Yeah, so we had a nice night with my cousin. You know, still kind of we're seeing each other after that. Christmas, my cousin's neighbor across the street, was he was making like prime rib, doing this big thing. Just like this nice older man who's cool enough to have us over, Mark accompanying me. He just like a switch flipped. He just was acting very weird later in the night. I was embarrassed for how he was acting because he was just kind of short and snappy. Like, not sure everybody picked up on it, but I definitely did.
0: Was he sending that out to everybody or just you?
1: I don't think everybody picked up on it as much as I did where I was like, okay, you know, you're kind of being a buzzkill. Let's just get you home. Like, I'm going to take you home. I'm coming back. Bye. Bye forever is what I was thinking what I should have done right and he slept the whole ride, so he that he must have obviously I didn't put two and two together then but so I drove him home slept the whole ride I'm like furious I'm like who is this guy how dare him act this way in front of my people sleeping in the car when we get to his place I was just like I wanted to just unbuckle him and push him out I was just like bye like woke him up and was like see you never left went back to my cousins we ended up drinking hanging out I stayed overnight at her house and then, of course, the next day, here's Mark calling, texting, just apologizing, all this. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. And then my cousin's like, well, you know, I mean, he seems genuinely sorry. Maybe, you know, maybe you give him a chance. And I really, like, struggled with it. And I'm just like, okay, fine, whatever. Give him a chance. Then it just kind of escalated from there. So this was at this point, where in what, like, December, January comes around. Barrett Jackson, the car show, is in Arizona in January. And so we went there and actually somebody who was like a mentor, a father figure to him was in town visiting. And so we all went together, the three of us. Mark drove us over there. We went, we had a great time. I mean, it was really cool seeing the cars and the auction, walking around. We leave, we're driving home. It's only three miles tops of a drive, but we didn't make it very far because we got pulled over. I don't know, there was something, maybe his plate was expired or whatever. Also turns out that he had previous DUIs. And I think that, I don't know if he, I think that they obviously had to do like some kind of sobriety test, and I don't think that he passed it, because <laughs> he ended up being taken away in handcuffs, and the car got impounded. So me and this. Wow. Yes. Not the last time.
0: How do you get home?
1: Well, first of all, not the last time I'd see him in handcuffs. <laughs> also, um, well, this was 2013, so there's Uber taxis were still, you, you would call the taxis out there.
0: But I mean, it's up to you to get you home.
1: Well, and I was actually going to his place because of the dogs, because, you know, the dogs were home.
0: Uh, Someone's got to take care of the dogs. Yeah, sure. somebody's
1: got to take care of the dogs. And I didn't know what this like jail situation was. So I don't even remember if his friend and I went together or we went, I, I'm a very kind of like independent. I got this. Like, I'll take, I'll figure it out. I'll take care of it. So I don't know. I got back to his place, you know, took care of the dogs and then I had to get a hold of his. I mean, I've barely known him two months and here I am calling his sister who actually also lived in Arizona. I think I, maybe I found her on Facebook first. I don't even remember how I got her contact information. Got a hold of her. She was basically like, I'm not helping. She wasn't gonna help. She wanted nothing to do with it. Do
0: you think she'd seen this show before?
1: Again, something I didn't, you know, like hindsight.
0: This guy's a serial bad actor.
1: Yeah. I'm calling Bales Bondsman. I don't know if you've ever had to call a Bales Bondsman, but it's like the shadiest, the shadiest business. It's like calling the calling the mafia or something. Like I don't even actually kind of remember how we ended up getting him out I feel like because he had to see a judge I mean that's like there's some kind of like little hearing that they go to whenever they get arrested and I believe that that was kind of like a you know like okay well you're now getting charged with another DUI which is a felony DUI at that point his third one I believe and so but I mean they get off on bond his dad always bonded him out so I want to say it was at this point, maybe we had to pay the $5,000 bond. Really? Or maybe at later point, at some, at a certain point, that's what had to happen, which is only 10% of the actual amount. Uh-huh. So he's out, that's January. And then, you know, I stuck by him. As I was like kind of reflecting on it, I'm just like, what was I, like anybody else would see this collection of red flags and be like running for the hills. And here I am like, oh, you know, he needs somebody. What I was thinking about is how I always, my dad was an alcoholic and he and ultimately passed from cirrhosis. Uh, and I always felt, you know, but my parents divorced when I was seven. My dad always lived solo in, in apartments that I remember growing up. And I always just remember like his apartments, like I felt sad, like he was like troubled and like lonely and just like not able to, you know, take care of himself as good as he should have, you know,
0: you feel for him.
1: Yeah. So maybe like a piece of that, I was just like, maybe I could, help this guy
0: (laughs) you know dad kind of got away but maybe i'll pick up the slack with this guy so
1: yeah yeah boy was that not the right mindset within like the month i actually ended up because i was staying there a lot anyways so i just ended up moving in after knowing him about three months you know and i know that my roommate was she probably felt the way i felt when she was in her relationship but i don't think that she knew how to like convey it properly Like, with her, it was more like, she just retreated. She almost just, like, kind of, like, kept her hands clean of it. would maybe say something here and there, but she wasn't as, you know, how I was. Like, we're going. That's not everybody. That's that's my personality. Um, So she didn't really, like, put up any kind of fight or anything about it. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe, like, this is right and... Me and this guy will have a great relationship together. Back
0: to the drug usage. Did you have any inkling even at this point that this guy was more than just drinking?
1: Not until this point. So then when I moved in, it's like things took a shift, you know, because I think, you know, people like him and that they're more calculated than you realize. And, And in retrospect, you think about it and you're just like, oh, they're like all the pieces are falling together for them to know exactly where their control is.
0: They know how to play the chameleon.
1: Yeah. I was also taking a screenwriting class. So I was doing a screenwriting class. I had my full-time job. I had my golf course job on the weekends. I was pretty busy. And I remember the drinking was the first thing that I was like, oh, he drinks a lot. There'd be like a morning I'd be going to the golf course. My shift would be, you know, maybe a 6 a.m. shift. I'd walk downstairs and it would look like a, like a frat party, like a 30 case, like empty, just empty cans everywhere.
0: Frat party for one.
1: A frat party for one. I didn't even think one person is capable of drinking that much beer and still be going to the stores. One morning he went to a 7-Eleven to get beer and the 7-Eleven was being robbed. And he just like backed out and did nothing and just like came home. like, You didn't like call the police or anything. Somebody could have been getting shot.
0: All a matter of priorities, I guess
1: exactly yeah so then I was like okay this is like starting to be like he's he drinks a lot I still didn't really like bring up the issue I was obviously busy enough and then all of a sudden you know it was like these like little control things that started coming into play where he'd be complaining about then my screenwriting class of like well you know I we never get to spend enough quality time together or whatever his excuse was for that or didn't like that i'd meet with the teacher or classmates or something outside of class to work on things so i dropped that class
0: oh really you actually dropped it huh? yeah did you stay with trying to be a screenwriter i mean do you stay on whatever story you're working on or did that end with the class
1: it just ended with the class
0: here you are you've dropped you've kind of given it up for him you've given up your screenwriting career at least for a while I don't know if you ever got back to it, but so you gave that up to have quality time. Did you actually have quality time or was it more about sticking a pin in your writing?
1: I was definitely sticking a pin in my writing. And then after that, the golf course was the next, I was spread pretty thin then just between like working full-time and then the golf course and the class. And the golf course was really early on the weekend. So it did kind of feel like I didn't have weekends. I grew. I have two older brothers. I grew up with, Guys, I really I have a group of guy friends, girlfriends, like just all kinds. And my one real good friend was a guy friend from the golf course. And he called, and he's like, "Your eyes just like lit up when he called you." I'm like, "Yeah, like he's a really good friend of mine, and like you're a Debbie Downer right now. <laughs> like I was excited for the call. Jealousy. Yeah. So I ultimately ended up quitting the golf course as well. Um, so just then working for the radio station.
0: What did you do there?
1: Uh, I was the sales assistant. So I got to just, i it was actually pretty awesome. It was the classic rock station. I worked mainly with the salespeople. It was a, a lot of like office work, but just to be around there, like got to meet Alice Cooper and uh,
2: uh-huh.
1: Don Felder from the Eagles. Actually, when I met him, I asked him how they felt about the Big Lebowski, you know, and he, he's like, I hate the Eagles, man. <laughs> He was very nice and and engaging, which was awesome. Yes. But yeah, I mean, that was a cool job. It was Working in radio was a lot of fun.
0: So you've got the job with the radio station and two of the fun things in your life are out of the picture at this point, golf and screenwriting. So you gave him up for Mark.
1: Yeah. And also during this time, he just start picking these preposterous fights out of nowhere. Just like wake me up or like send me some kind of message about something from my facebook who is this person and who's this guy and and then like i just moved in with him and now he's gonna like dump me and kick me out like where am i gonna go
0: he threatened to kick you out
1: yeah like just like
0: so it's like you comply in different ways or you're you're out
1: yeah just it was more like a a breaking me down kind of thing because it was like what are you talking about where it'd be like this exhausting fight over nothing And then just like, we're both exhausted. It's like, I'd be just like hysterical because where am I going to go? I just moved in here. Can't like go back to my cousins. I just felt like, all right, I've been like forging this path out here. I've been doing so well. And now what I'm supposed to tell everybody that now I got nowhere to go. And this guy's kicking me out because of old Facebook pictures or whatever the deal was. But I mean, like I said, in retrospect, it's like, those were just those, like really to break down your spirit because you're just so thrown off. You're like, why would somebody just start a fight over this? Sure. So yeah, so that was more of that throughout.
0: How long now have you been in this relationship, would you say, from the brewery night to now?
1: Really only been like three or four months at this point.
0: That's kind of what I was counting. I just wanted to do a time check.
1: It's just crazy. Just, you know, because it all happened so fast and you're kind of like, going with it, kind of taken off guard.
0: Has this guy told you he loved you at any point in this?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I think that happened. Yeah, within like, like, I didn't say it back, because it was like, way early. I'm like, oh, okay.
0: (laughs) See, that's one of the things with people who are abusive. They take what, let's say, most of us would consider normal timing, if there is such a thing, but, you know, sort of taking things at a comfortable pace, but they speed it up. It's all part of the love bombing technique and just speeding things up. And why don't you move in? And why don't we do this? And why don't we do that? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: I was going to say, and I want to say this was an episode of what was that like? I'm pretty sure a very different scenario, but the girl was, it was like a sex trafficking situation, but the way that it happened to her, it was just all like really fast. And it's like, she didn't even have time to kind of understand, you know, she thought she was going out there to like date this guy. And then she gets there and all of a sudden, like all this stuff just happens so fast.
0: And she's flat out stuck.
1: Yes. So it's just, you know, it's like, I think it happens so fast for a reason because you're just really thrown off balance.
0: It's a sales technique that some people use. You know, if somebody wants to speed you up on buying that car. I'll throw it in this. I'll do this. I'll tell you what, I'll talk to my manager, you know, and, hey, we could put you in the car today. Hey, next thing you know, you're driving down the road. And it's like, what the hell happened? I came to look at cars today and I just bought one.
1: Absolutely.
0: Faster than you can process. Sure.
1: I think that that is very good. Like that, that is, that's an appropriate, you know, exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm noticing like, it's not like he has, I'm somebody who just always has a lot of friends, big circles of friends, different groups. And he didn't have a lot of friends. He had this one guy who come over all the time, this older guy who was just like nice enough, but kind of a weirdo. Turns out that's the guy who was buying morphine from because uh, then i think this is around because i was finding all these baggies like the zip like the rectangle ziplock baggies and i'm just like what what's in what was in these and then they're like everywhere and then i started trying to bring it up and and like confront the issue but instead you just more try to hide it It's not like i was effective in yes that regard and then yeah now so like spring summer 2013 I had a, like a friend came out, I went home, but anytime, like when I came back to visit Chicago, it's like the whole time he'd be starting crazy fights over nothing. I'd have to be like, you know, putting on a show here, just, I didn't want to let on anybody to know anything was wrong.
0: And so you're in, let's say Chicago area, he's in Arizona, but I mean, crazy fights over the phone and texting and things, you
1: mean? Always accusing of like cheating. I think that was kind of his go-to. In his mind, I was just sleeping with everybody, so... <laughs>
0: Probably calling out certain terminology for you at that time.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I, I yeah. feel like that started pretty like early on.
0: Trashy stuff. Yeah,
1: they just say things and you're just like, what? And then somehow still stay with him.
0: Right, right, yeah, I know. That's it's confounding, but it happens all the time.
1: Yeah. So then, actually, our birthday month for my birthday, we went to his hometown to hang out with like his family and his parents for some reason, which was actually not bad because I always got along with his family, his parents especially. They were always very nice to me and very good to me. And he was like pretty well-behaved on this trip. So it wasn't the worst trip. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the worst part of the relationship. But when we returned after that trip in August and got our mail, there was a letter saying that A court date was missed, and then there's a warrant out for his arrest.
0: That'll get your attention. From the
1: DUI. And of course, he's somebody who's just incapable of doing anything for himself. So I was in charge of getting the lawyers and all this stuff, finding all that. One time at work at the radio station, I got a call on my work phone from a police officer. He went on, he was going on a beer run. I think the cop pulled him over before. I think they were kind of like scoping it out because there was a warrant out for him. So like as soon as he like left in the car, which he shouldn't have been driving anyways, his license has been revoked. The cop got him and and impounded the car. We definitely kept those impound lots in business throughout this relationship.
0: Was he working at this time? It had to be, right?
1: He worked at a different, like a few different body shops. That that is, yeah. Those,
0: oh, the body shop thing. That's right. That
1: was kind of a different world altogether. I feel he worked pretty hard. I don't uh-huh. know. If it was a day he didn't go to work or if it was, I mean, I'm not, I can't remember what this was. Or maybe he was between jobs at this point because he worked at a few different body shops. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I get the call from a police officer on my work phone where like the receptionist has to patch it through like, oh, this police officer is calling you. Then I have to leave and, and try to handle that situation. He didn't get arrested or anything, but the car did get impounded. Right. Or something, ha- whatever happened, he got out pretty quickly. I couldn't remember like the whole sequence of events there because this was something that was just a recurring issue. But right. yeah. at this point, we really needed to to get a lawyer. So we finally got a lawyer. They're really strict with DUIs out in Arizona, especially during this time. These were Sheriff Joe days. And he ultimately did get charged with the felony DUI and sentenced to Four months in tent city
0: it's called tent city oh yeah
1: they've since shut it down but it was like the outside prison really so it, was, it was like tents like yeah like bunked beds under tents Gee. out in like kind of like like this weird part of town too it's like this very like sketchy part of town with a lot of like stray dogs and some kind of like crematory It, it like smelled weird over there too it was just a
0: they're doing cremations off in the distance, and the
1: yeah <laughs>
0: and the wind's bringing that by,
1: yeah, oh yeah, they want, I mean they definitely sheriff Joe was a big uh he he wanted punish people to feel punished,
0: <laughs> didn't want the country club version of punishment
1: did not
0: now we're we talking we're in March or April, where are we? The reason I'm asking you that is just trying to gauge the temperature that someone's living in a tent. Arizona in the middle of summer would be dead people, intense, I would imagine. But we're in the spring, so I guess it's manageable heat.
1: Well, we were in spring when we started like the court proceedings and all that, which, you know, I mean, how those go. It's like the lawyer did a lot of pushing it out. She actually completely lied to us and did say he wasn't going to have to do like any time, but it was like in a room with like no, nobody was recording there or anything. So it was basically like, I don't know. The lawyer's made as much money as everybody else off those DUIs. That was a big thing out there. But oh, yeah. by the time he actually did get his sentence and all that, it was July 2014 that he went in.
0: That's when he went to Tent City in July.
1: Yeah, it was July 2014. What are we talking
0: like 105 degrees?
1: Well, even hotter in there because I feel like the tents almost like kept the heat in. And there was like little fans in the tents, but
0: Oh, good luck.
1: Yeah. I'm sure it was just very unpleasant.
0: Four months of that, huh?
1: Yeah. And, and and this is somebody who is an addict and an alcoholic.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: And a controlling person. So this is somebody who's kind of had to go cold turkey. He did get prescribed Suboxone prior to going in, which is like an opioid blocker. It's kind of like a methadone type thing. Right. Like, like Suboxone and buprenorphine are, are those type of things. And it was just like, even from the 10th, he was still a pain in the ass.
0: Even at a distance, you mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, because so then he's on work furlough, even though he shouldn't be driving, he drive to work. I think there was a couple of times maybe on Saturdays because he was able to get out a certain set of hours if they even let them out on time. And it would be like, I want to say 7 a.m., 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. or something like that.
0: And then in the evening back to the tent, you mean?
1: Yeah. So then it's like and they check on the, their work and make sure like they were going to work and, and like they just do random like drop-ins and things like that while he was in the tents it was kind of peaceful because at least i didn't have to deal with him at home but you know just and phone calls and if he was being a punk on the phone it's like okay click you know i don't have to deal with you kind of a nice thing Mm -hmm. so january 2014 my mom came to visit and during this time he was really into um rc cars that was his hobby and just like
0: radio control cars.
1: Yeah, he'd get really into something, especially during this time frame where it was like trying to keep his mind off the DUI stuff and where that was headed. So when my mom came in, so my mom loves the casinos.
0: She likes the what? The, the slot what? machines. But you said casinos or something. Oh like casinos.
1: That? Oh like oh, the casinos. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Your mom likes the casinos.
1: Yes, casinos. So there uh there's a lot of casinos out there. Yes, he knows. <laughs> yes, the casinos. I'd always take her there when we would when she'd visit. But I
0: How much would mom drop at a casino oh typically? Oh
1: gosh, she, she just got back from Vegas too. I don't know why she got so into slot machines. Yes, so we went to the casino and when I mean I had to be his chauffeur most of the time, you know, because
0: Because he couldn't drive.
1: Even he still would obviously from time to time, but then there are times he wouldn't. He wanted to get to the hobby store before it closed. And like, my mom was doing the slots, and I was like, okay, maybe I could just like run him there, come back and get her. And of course, he ended up taking super long. My poor mom was like already ready to like go. It was just a mess. But when she came to visit, we went, we decided to go on a trip to San Diego. Mm. And I had my car. This is like the first car I ever bought myself. And this is just prior to meeting Mark. We're gonna take my car. We stopped, I needed new tires. And so we went to the tire place and they told me I needed four. And, you know, I called Mark to just get his input because he's a car guy. And he's so insistent, like just two, just only get two. You don't need more than two. And these guys were like, your tires are bald. You need four. And I was like, whatever, like just we'll do two. So we did two. We made it to to and from San Diego. It's just interesting because later on when he was in the tents and well, we'll get there. we'll cross that bridge when it comes, but that will come back into play. That's fine. So yeah, so he's in the 10th July. What else happened during that time frame? So he did end up calling me at my birthday while he was in the 10th. Didn't even acknowledge it was my birthday. Called to tell me that he wanted to use my car and I use his car so he can like get to work and, you know, not have to worry as much or something.
0: They're looking for his car.
1: Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, well... I don't really want to do that but whatever and also like happy birthday to me <laughs> you know it like i i had to like tell him it was my birthday
0: remind him right
1: so yeah so i end up like ultimately i'm driving his car after that with the breathalyzer in it mm. but one day when he's heading back after work guess who gets a flat tire in my car because <laughs> with one of the two tires that weren't changed it was karma karma got him <laughs> Because we switched cars.
0: How about that?
1: And then it blew on his. And it was on his way back to the tents, and he was like freaking out because you couldn't be late, obviously, you know.
0: Uh, that's that's great.
1: Yeah. So that happened. I I did I did enjoy that. I mean, I still had to deal with it. I had to like call AAA and somehow like have them help him. But that it is kind of funny that that happened like that.
0: That is that's good. <laughs> that's one in the wind column.
1: Yes. So uh, so let's see. So then also during this time frame, our landlord is going to raise the rent come like next time around. So Mark decides like, all right, well, let's just move. Well, he's in the tents. Then that's on me then too. I have to find us a place. I have to pack up our place.
0: Find us a place. Yeah.
1: His aunt was a realtor. She was really good at what she did. We went to this one in Tempe and it just had like an eerie feel to it. We were in the yard and she was like looking at the concrete fence in the back and she's like, that's really high. That's weird. And she found a ladder and puts the ladder up against the fence, gets up on the ladder and goes, oh my. And I was like, what's over there? It was just like some kind of graveyard. Like as far as the eye could see, just all these crosses, like unmarked graves. It was the most, like the wildest thing. I was like, oh, wait, this isn't it. Let's go. <laughs> But yeah, we we ended up finding a place.
0: Too many spirits in the backyard there to live that close.
1: Yeah. Oh, and so interesting of her to that. I didn't, wouldn't even notice. I wouldn't even thought twice about it. Ah, yeah, yeah, that was crazy. But we ended up finding a house that was a really nice house and also in Tempe, but not really close to the creepy one.
2: <laughs> Good.
1: But I did have to like, I had to like write a letter to the people renting it out because who wants to rent to a felon, you know? <laughs> Coming out of jail, so
0: yeah, it's hard to word that.
1: I do like writing, so I I did a good enough job where I got a send. <laughs>
0: That's quite an accomplishment, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, just like it's just so exhausting between like having to like you know being like kind of broken down throughout this process, all of like the court stuff, just having to deal with all his stuff, and just like him always being the priority. I mean, not even thinking twice about it. He got out in November of 2014, mm-hmm. and we had to mm-hmm. move shortly after. But he came out different; like he came out. Much more aggressive than he ever was before, and I don't know if maybe that was the lack of control for four months like the the lack of like the the pills and the alcohol, and you know when coming out, it's like all right, now you have like you're on probation so and it, it, probation was very like intensive there there was he had to call in like he got a designated color. And he had to call in every day. And if they if his color was one of the ones they listed, he had to go by the end of the day or the by the time this like facility closed to go get a drug test. Oh. There was that. And then he had to do like classes, go to AA meetings. And since I was a chauffeur, I'm like always going all these places with him. I was driving him to and from work a lot during that time, right, when he got out, which was just kind of a nightmare because my work was far. And then to like pick him up and drop him off too.
0: An AA meeting, I'm curious, how long do those run? You have to drop them off. You have to come by later and pick them up. So is that like...
1: For the AA meetings, I stayed. I just, I went to the AA meetings with him. I
0: mean you're there, what, what, two or three hours?
1: The AA meetings weren't that bad. They were just like maybe an hour tops, if that. But yeah, that was just like a whole different situation. But him coming out before we moved from the one place to the other, he started getting more aggressive of like, before it was just more like, emotional verbal kind yes. of abuse like this is now he'd do more like faints and fakes like like pretending like he's gonna like come at me or something it was weird that it just like kind of got to that point but he never did hit me or anything mm-hmm. it was just more like an intimidation thing yes yeah so moving was a nightmare but we got through that And then December 2014, my mom came out to visit because actually before I left, I actually started a new job I forgot to mention during this time. I started a new job with an ad agency. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It was May 2014. I started a new job on the west side of town. But yeah, before I left the radio station, I got tickets to Fleetwood Mac. And it was all of Fleetwood Mac. It was really good. It was a good show. But that was in December. My mom has always loved Fleetwood Mac. So she came out for that, got to come to our place in Tempe. And it was just like, honestly, mortifying because she came and she was just trying to have a conversation, you know, like she was just trying to be like sympathetic to um, Mark's situation. And just maybe she was digging a a bit deep or something, but whatever his reaction, uh, she was just trying to be like, oh, you know, that had to be really difficult for you. Whatever she said, when he could. not
0: Like he was being grilled by her.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, through a tantrum, like a child. Right in front of her. Oh yeah. Like kind of snapped at her. And I was just like, I mean, it wasn't like, like scary, but it was like, Holy crap. What just happened? Uh And then my mom felt super uncomfortable. And then, you know, like we're, and during this, she brought like pizza from Chicago that we were making. It's like by the time it's ready, nobody wants to eat it because we're in this uncomfortable situation. We had this gorgeous yard in that house in Tempe. It was like there was a screened in porch and then like a giant pool, a big, orange tree and grapefruit tree so me and my mom went outside to just sit and eat the pizza I think he went to the bedroom and like I was apologizing on his behalf but she's just like I've never been talked to like that before in my life and I'm like I'm sorry you know like I don't know what to do like you should you should hear how he talks to me but yeah so
0: is mom saying whispering in your ear blow this guy off
1: oh well A thousand percent. And again, reflecting upon this whole story, I'm just like, she was relentless. She is ultimately the reason that I, you know, like, I think it was just like her being so relentless. She always made sure, like as uncomfortable as she was coming out, that he made her, she'd still like, she'd come out and be like, well, either I'm coming out or you're coming home to visit, you know, like one Mm -hmm. or the, like, pick Uh, your, uh pick your poison here because I'm not like letting this go. Good. So I have to, like, give her a lot more credit than I ever did. And even along the way before that, like, whenever she, like, she identified it, but I don't think she ever knew the extent of it. And she'd, like, just, like, make sure, like, write me notes. Like, remember that you deserve the best. Or, you know, like, I love you. I'm proud of you. Like, you you always deserve, mm-hmm. like, the best. And just, like, always trying to reiterate, raise your standards, girl. When he acted all crazy like that to my mom, I feel like it was maybe the next day he got my initials tattooed super huge on his forearm really yeah
0: i hadn't heard about that type of thing but i totally get that. uh you and me babe you know
1: yeah like oh i was just a jackass to your mom i'm sorry but like here look at we're good right shows
0: you how much i love you i've got your initials yeah this ends part one of ashley's two-part story in part two it's clear that mark is leaning on ashley and she doesn't know how much she is enabling the behavior that she doesn't want. Thanks to my guests for offering their stories on the When Dating Hurts podcast. This is your platform where victims, survivors, and others who have experience with domestic violence can freely add what they have witnessed. Through these stories, although challenging to listen to, we underscore the prevalence and horrific behavior of abusers over their targets and victims. With knowledge comes enlightenment and empowerment. If you feel your story should be included on this podcast, please email me at Bill Mitchell at That's Bill Mitchell at Thank you.